Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of Bat Flips and Maple Dips, another Prospect Watch 2019 episode. Uh, we're going from prospects number 20 to 11 in the Blue Jays system. My name's Clayton Croker. To my left, we got Justin Anderson. We got uh, Patrick Marsh joining us via Skype from the Maritimes. Um, last week's episode was so fun talking about all of the prospects, but I'm, I'm looking at the ones 20 to 11, and... Some of them are exciting, yep. but I kind of found that the prospects from 30 to 21 were more exciting than the prospects from 20 to 11. Did you guys find that too? or I, I, I kind of agree. I mean, you, you generally see that when you look at organizations. The, the 30 to 21 guys, are most of the time, they're like the young guys with raw potential. Then the, the middle half are kind of guys who have been around for a bit and are in their development phases. And you see in the middle ranks, you see a lot of big jumps and big falls you find because some guy might some guy might go from a top five prospect and then have a shitty year and fall back to the middle of the pack yeah and vice versa you could you, there's some guys on this list who were unranked or and or unsigned before this season who have jumped straight to the middle of the pack so it, it's kind of the the turmoil of the prospect watch is the, the the middle of the pack it's just like guys who are either on their way up their way down or have just middled out they're kind of make-or-break prospect make or break years, prospects. if you will. Yeah, yeah, I would say so. Do you kind of agree with that, Patrick? The prospects that we talked about last episode, a little bit more sexy, if you will, than the prospects today? No, not at all. I actually really disagree with you guys. And the reason why is because if you go through the list from 30, or the ones we have from 20 to 11 here today, there's like six teenagers. And you know how I enjoy younger prospects because they have there's so much raw potential in them so i actually think this is more interesting uh than the last episode not to say the last one wasn't interesting but i think we're actually in for some really positive uh upside today here we go different opinions i love it uh before we get it. started I hate here, everything some uh housekeeping <laughs> things of course facebook twitter and instagram uh bfmd podcast just search it if you don't know how to search something on social media by now you're part of the problem, not the solution. Uh, SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play Music, YouTube, TuneIn, Stitcher, we're all over them. By the way, out of all three of the um, social medias, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, which one do you guys like the most? Twitter, because I, I, admittedly I'm slacking a little bit on Instagram, but I don't, I don't think it's as, it's not as fun as Twitter. Baseball Twitter is the best. Like, There's no baseball better Twitter's place for awesome. baseball than Twitter because you have all of the – the guys talking fantasy. Then you have the the prospect experts. Like uh, shout out to Eric Cross for Fangraphs. Uh, he does all the Fangraphs top twenty five lists, and he puts out some really good uh, uh, articles on just players from every organization. And he keeps it he keeps the the articles interesting. So I like that. And then you have guys like uh, like the guys at Driveline Baseball in Seattle who um, basically have like the pitching lab, and they bring guys in. Like they they have uh, uh, what's his face. The guy we don't like in Cleveland, Trevor Bauer, yeah. <laughs> is there a lot. Um, and Nate, big Nate Pearson was there this past week throwing 100 in the lab. So uh, it, it's fun to see stuff like that, like fun off-season videos and just prospect watch and this kind of thing. And there's no better place for that than baseball Twitter. Patrick, are you a Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook guy? Um, as, to get my baseball fix, I usually do pop over to Reddit, uh, the r slash baseball. But I have to say... Of all of our social media stuff, the best material that's not on the podcast comes from Justin on the Twitter. <laughs> Justin's killing it on our Twitter this year, and I think 2019's going to be a big year. Where we're going to see four digits, uh, four-digit follows. The year of the bat flip. 
Setting I think it's going to be high. the year of the bat flip. And actually, speaking of the bat flip, before we get into it, <laughs> the the bat flip ball actually sold for a record amount of money. Uh, I think it was yesterday. Okay. Uh, yeah, popping over to r slash baseball. Um, there was a tweet about it. I'm trying to pull it up as I scramble uh, to come up with the right words, but it was uh, it was a record twenty eight thousand two hundred fifty two dollars and eighty cents. That was the bat flip ball. Hmm. Not bad. Twenty fifteen. So that's that's a hell of a hell of a price. The starting bid was thirty five hundred. So I actually thought that might have been a bit too high, but it ended up selling for uh, what would that be eight over eight times that amount. That's crazy. Maybe the player who's responsible for the next bat flip kind of moment is in the prospects we're about to talk about here next. It's kind of exciting stuff talking about prospects because this is the future of the team. And when you talk about the Blue Jays right now, it's all about the future because our present sucks. So it's all about the future, building towards the future. Um, without further ado, here we go. 20 to 11 on uh, the Blue Jays prospect list here. Uh, number 20, Reese McGuire. Um, I kind of feel bad for this guy because we got Danny Jansen who we will talk about a little bit later, but uh, he's already so high on our prospect list. And then you got Reese McGuire. It, it's not exactly like our shortstop problem where we have eight shortstops no. that are just killing it in our system, <laughs> but we got two really good catchers in our system. Um, this guy's a little smaller. Uh, he's 5'11", 215, so he's a husky boy, yeah. which is perfect for being a catcher, though. <laughs> um, he was a former first-round draft pick, which is really, really good. Mm. And again, with the departure of Russell Martin now, Maybe he gets a shot to back up Danny Jansen this year. Maybe we bring in a veteran guy. Where do you see Reese McGuire fitting in with the Blue Jays system this year, Justin? Uh, right now, I think he's probably our third catcher. Luke Maley is still the backup catcher at this point. It's going to come down to spring training. Uh, obviously, Reese McGuire is already on our 40-man roster, so there's a good chance that he could, op- if we decide to go with three catchers, he's the guy we'll take. I'd rather personally see Reese McGuire just get more everyday playing time in AAA for one more season. And then once Luke Maley says sayonara after this 2019 season, we can move forward to the youth of Jansen and McGuire. I'm hoping Jansen just kills it this year so that there's no controversy over who's going to start. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe it's his team until proven otherwise. But McGuire has potential to, I guess, usurp Luke Maley as the backup catcher should either one of them perform poorly i guess we could say if jansen's doing poorly he'll probably switch to a backup role you might see mcguire come up to replace Maley. who knows it's there's, there's situations where uh mcguire could get up and he has really good fielding grades i mean he's got a 60 fielding tool potential according to Fangrass, and a 55 throwing tool which i do believe is actually a little bit higher than danny jansen's um but his hitting tools aren't as great as, as jansen's that's that's what's going to be that holds him back I do like Reese McGuire. I think he's a, a backup catcher for us. Unfortunately for him, he got the first-round draft pick hype back with the Pirates in 2013, and he just hasn't really lived up to that first-round potential uh, to this point in his career. But I like him. I think he's a good backup catcher. Patrick, do you think Reese McGuire can come back to his first-round potential, or is he going to be stuck in the minors for a bit? Um. Well, I mean, yes to both. Uh, questions, which is, I know, weird, but let me get into it uh, for a bit. The story of Reese McGuire is kind of sad, but it gets better. Um, He didn't really live up to his potential in the Pittsburgh system, 
if you look at his career WRC plus throughout his minor league tenure, uh, he wasn't really an ab- uh, above average replacement level player until he came to us. And maybe it was the pressure of being a first round pick, or maybe it's just that catchers, um, the WRC plus doesn't really cover all of the tangibles that a catcher brings to a club. Um, Either way, he wasn't, he he had a a tough time in Pittsburgh. And now that he's here in our system, I, I think there we're seeing enough upside in him that we'll see him finish the year as the backup catcher in Toronto. And the reason why is because melee is not going to be back next year. Uh, he'll probably get dealt because why wouldn't you deal him for value if you know he's not going to be back? Uh, McGuire and AAA for most of the year, I love it. I love the fact because that means McGuire's going to be working with Nate Pierce. He's going to work with Thomas Pannoni. He's going to work with Sean Reed Foley. He's going to work with um, who's the fourth guy that we mentioned earlier or in the previous episode. Uh, what was uh, Scott Thornton? Mm-hmm. Or no, Travis Thornton? Tra- uh, Double T's. Trent. Trent Thornton. Trent. Oh my God, I'm so sorry. Uh, Trent Thornton. Um, I feel bad for that <laughs> for that gaffe. But anyway, <laughs> I, I think McGuire has upside. He's obviously a very competent fielder, and I do think he has power potential. Uh, if we could get him a full year in New Hampshire or not New Hampshire, uh, Buffalo, I think I think he's got value. I think I think he'll be the backup of the future, and a tandem of him plus Danny Jansen is really exciting. Catchers get hurt, and I think Danny Jansen will get hurt this year because it's his first. It's going to be his first major league season as a starter, and yeah. that's that's grueling on a guy. Like not just mentally because you got to mm-hmm. know all your pitchers mm-hmm. and stuff like that, but physically. Oh man, like playing catcher, you just get beat up back there. I know it looks like catchers kind of like shake off when they get like a foul ball to the jibs or something like that. You know, like they're just getting fouled off, foul tips right to the yeah. mask and stuff, and they're just like, yeah, whatever, okay. It's because catchers are hard as fuck. Like <laughs> catchers are unbelievably tough people. They are. Like that hurts a lot and their hands like they're always taking foul tips off the hands and stubbing their fingers and breaking their fingers and stuff like that so it's good having depth at the catcher mm-hmm. position i bet you we'll see reese mcguire more than a couple times yeah I think in the majors so. this i mean year. we look at his ranking and he fell from 14 to 20th but that's not so much because he had a bad year it's it's more because we made some trades and brought in some guys and some guys in our system just had really good years and just went past them it was no there's no um, reason that Reese McGuire is is ranked. The only reason he's ranked lower is because our system is so deep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not his fault. <laughs> it kind of sucks too. Again, we have Danny Jansen, who's yeah. like one of our Number top three. five prospects, and it's just like tough break, Reese McGuire. Tough break, Reece. It's kind of the way that catchers go, though. You know, there can only be like two catchers on the team, yeah. maybe three, just depending on how your team goes. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're an outfielder, maybe they keep more outfielders, and there's more opportunity yeah. for you to play. But it's it's kind of like quarterback in the NFL, and there can only be one on the field at all times. You know. Yes. Um, and then with pitchers, too, you have a rotation, you have a bullpen, so you can just kind of harvest those guys. But, yeah, catchers, it, it's a tough one. Tough gig. Uh, speaking of pitchers here, uh, number 19, David Paulino. This guy is a very interesting prospect because he's lurch. He's 6'7". He's a big dude. He's 222. He's a little yeah. lanky. But um, as a pitcher, you want that lankiness because mm. you can just whip it. Um, I don't know about his off-speed stuff, but this guy can chuck it, hey? Yeah, well, he's one of the guys we got in the Osuna deal from Houston. So he was ranked eighth in Houston system. 
and he's 19th in ours, and that's just because we have a deeper system than Houston does at this point. Houston's guys have obviously graduated to the big leagues and won the World Series already uh, two years ago. So, uh, Paulinho, yeah, he's got a decent fastball. He had Tommy John's surgery way back when, um, in 2013, I believe it was. So he's past that. He did get into seven games with the big league club this year, and he strikes out about eight per nine innings, which is solid for a bullpen guy. He walks just under three, which is okay. His ERA with us was 135, but his XFIP was 424. Again, only seven games and six and two-thirds innings. He has been a starter for most of his minor league career, and I think the team still kind of views him as that, but we've talked about in our previous prospect episode just how deep our rotation is right now. So I think Polino is firmly locked into a middle relief bullpen role, at least to start 2019. I think he can excel there just because he has two pitches, like fastball and curveball at a 60 grade and a slider at 50. And he's also got a change at 55. So he's a four-pitch relief pitcher with some good off-speed stuff. Um, and I, I do I do like him. He's got the he's got the potential to become a good starter, but the time for his starting rotation gig is not yet nigh. David Polino, what do you think about this guy, Patrick? Justin already knows what I'm going to bring up first. <laughs> that is in 2017, he got uh, clapped with an 80-game suspension for use of PEDs. Yep, that's why I didn't bring it up and you got it. <laughs> yeah, uh, not to be a negative Nancy again. But that is not a good look for a player. Um, that being said, it's in the past. He got activated from the DL uh, in September 2018, and he he got some time up with us, and he looked pretty competent. The guy can chuck gas. Mm-hmm. It is really impressive uh, with the the high grade fastball and the high grade curveball. Um, that's really all you need as a reliever, in my opinion. Maybe a good slider, but he doesn't have a good slider. He has like an average slider. Yeah. I, I, to be honest with you guys, I think David Paulino is the most interesting reliever that we will have on our roster next year. And I do think he'll be absolutely a part of the regular roster and he'll earn it out of training camp. This guy has everything to prove. Mm-hmm. And he has all the tools he needs to be successful. I don't know where his head's at with regards to the PEDs or anything like that. I don't know how much reporting there was on that. But I th- I think the, the Fangraph uh, future value of 50 is underrating him. I think he, because he's so tall and he can generate so much velocity... I think that this guy could end up being like, this is high praise, but like a Dennis Eckersley-type reliever who just has that that lanky frame and has the ability to, you know, snap the fastball, but also has like a useful utility pitch that can, you know, can trick batters. I, I like this guy a lot. He's probably my favorite prospect uh, relief pitcher that we've had in a, quite a while. 
I hope he works out because tall pitchers are so valuable to a team yep. because it's so much different imposing on facing a tall pitcher than a small pitcher. Like it, compared to Marcus Stroman, this guy is a giant. It's like a foot on, he's almost got a foot on him. It's not the imposing <laughs> thing too; it's the science behind it. Yeah. So this guy's wingspan is way fat, is way leverage, bigger hey. than everyone else's. Hey, so the way he he's gonna release the ball closer to the plate than most normal guys. Mm-hmm. So that means the break is gonna happen later in his pitches than what people are used to. Yeah. So when you're a hitter, most pitchers, 6'1", 6'2", 6'3", there's not a lot of difference there. 6'7", this, the ball is going to come out at a way different angle and at a way different spin mm-hmm. than what batters are expected. I remember Mark Hendrickson from back in the day. Yeah. Played for the Jays and the Orioles. The um, he was a starter at the start of the year, but or at the start of his career, rather. And then later on, he became a relief pitcher because he was so dangerous being a relief guy. Because as a starter, you face him in the first you face him the first time, he fools you. The mm-hmm. second time, you're on it. Yeah. But as a relief guy, you put him in after a small pitcher, night and day. Like, yeah. it's just so hard to adjust. So it's those little things where, like, if you can get a lot of tall pitchers and a lot of small pitchers, mix them together, it's a dangerous well, combination. If you have a tall pitcher who has an over-the-top delivery, yeah. the the height that he's releasing. Exactly. Is, it's the ball's coming out of very much yeah. a downward plane. Yeah. And so if he can get throw some break on that too. Woo. And, like, as a batter, you're looking at a totally different place. Like, if oh, he's yeah. going over-top, you're looking higher, and then you got to move your head, you lose yeah. your spot. It's... It's definitely an advantage to be a tall pitcher for sure. Um, Number 18 on the list here, we got Billy McKinney, um, one of our promising-ish outfielders. Again, he's a former first-round pick. Uh, he's 24 years old, a little on the on the older side. He was part of that Jay Happ deal. He looked mm. good for us, but he's such a tweener to me. I don't know about you, Patrick, yeah. but he seems like a tweener to me. Yeah, he's a negative value defender, which is automatically going to put him in my doghouse. But <laughs> at the same time, from what we saw from him at the plate, I'm kind of impressed. So I don't know. I'm mixed because, like, uh, McKinney is a name I should have included when I was talking about the depth chart for the outfielders. Um, I like this guy almost as much as I like Alfred and Smith. Um, I prefer to have power in my outfielders and speed, but the Jays kind of have this problem where nobody is really very good at stealing bases, so... We can't just have all juicy boys up the plate every every time. You can't just hit, you know, a zillion dingers. Um, just ask the Yankees. Didn't get them far enough uh, to win a title. So, yeah. true. I don't know. Like, this guy's a strikeout factory. <laughs> it's pretty gross. Uh, at the same time, he dude's got power. I'd love to see what he could do with, like, a full season uh, in the outfield. I just wish there was a way we could see that without him being on Toronto. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the death threat right now, they they say McKinney's over top of Teoscar Hernandez in left field, and I just don't I don't see that <laughs> happening. Um, just because we saw Teoscar Hernandez mash some bombs last year, and he's been mashing bombs down in the uh, in the Latin leagues this year, mm-hmm. <laughs> this this winter. Uh, there's been some videos on Twitter of him just hitting some absolute moon shots. That lead, those things look really fun. I love the crowd atmosphere there. Um, but yeah, I, I think McKinney... It's probably if we had to pick a fourth outfielder right now, it's going to be McKinney. But we talked, we alluded to it before. We have Dwight Smith Jr., we have Anthony Alford, we have Dalton Pompey, we have Jonathan Davis. We have three or four guys, including McKinney and Teoscar Hernandez, probably six guys who are going to play for that left field slash fourth outfield spot. Um, it's going to be a dogfight. I think McKinney probably is our fourth outfielder out of spring training. 
but there are no guarantees. He's got the tools to be a fringe starter. He's not Randall Gritchick. He's not he's not Kevin Pillar. Kevin Pillar, I think, is still better a better baseball player than than Billy McKinney is. But McKinney is probably a third or slash fourth outfielder at best for us. I can see him Guys. sticking with the Jays for a little bit though. Yeah. Because he's an interesting trade piece for sure. He is for sure. Like he is a good trade piece. Mm-hmm. It just it doesn't seem like he fits our team. Something about him just kind of seems like, and not just because we got him in a trade and he's an outsider or whatever like that, <laughs> but it just kind of seems like he's, something's off about him. I don't know. I love the guy, but it, something just seems off. I don't know what it is. It's just a hunch. It's just a gut thing for me. Yeah. But I don't know about, I don't know, something's off about Billy McKinney. It's because he's an outsider to our franchise. And if you look at our team, like, Grichuk was an outsider and we were really negative on him until he turned it around. But like everybody else, if you look at the list, Jonathan Davis, Kevin Pillar, Randall Grichuk, Anthony Alford, Dwight Smith Jr. Uh, Dalton Pompey. They're all, they're, Dalton Pompey, they're all Blue inside Deep. of the organization and have been a part of it for some time. Uh, guys like Teoscar Hernandez and Billy McKinney are outsiders. Teoscar, obviously, we got, what was it, a year or two ago? year and a half, really. Was like the the, end of it's just like McKinney is an outsider. We haven't seen enough of him as a J to feel comfortable with him yet. He was, he was a Yankee for longer than he was a J. So, I mean, and I don't know. Like, for very it long. might be that. <laughs> I think the be- a better question is, guys, what the hell are we going to do about Teoscar Hernandez? Because we can't have him playing in the outfield. He's such a bad defender. Yeah, I guess we'll see what he comes into spring training. Maybe he's worked all winter on improving that fielding. Um, the thing with Tio is he has the arm to be out there. He did have he a few. Does, he, he did have some outfield assists. He just has a hard time. He has a tough time with running routes. He doesn't get a great jump off the baseball. He has a tough time tracking off the bat. Um, hopefully, he's been working on his fielding uh, wherever he's playing this winter, and he'll come into spring training in, in good shape and ready to go. But that's a problem in the Rogers Center, not being able to track your ball. We oh, saw yeah. it with Curtis Granderson the first game of the season. At least he couldn't it's track not the, the ball. He had that error. And but I mean he got way better after that. Yeah. And obviously Curtis Granderson is great player and mm-hmm. has been his whole career. But I just don't I have like no faith at all that Teoscar Hernandez is ever gonna be anything but a bad defender. And the problem is we can't get rid of Kendris fucking Morales. And until we do, we're stuck with him being our DH mm-hmm. when really it should be Teoscar Hernandez because he can clap the bombs and strike out, and we don't have to worry about him having a negative impact in the outfield. I'd okay. much rather have Billy McKinney in the outfield, but we need Teoscar Hernandez's bat way yeah, more than we need Billy McKinney's uh, defensive ability. Yeah, that's fair. That's a good analysis. The one thing I like about Billy McKinney, he was drafted by Oakland. Yeah. Oakland has good scouts. It seems like Oakland always takes good players because they have to, because <laughs> they, can't afford to pay they, they can't afford to pay anybody. So when someone ta- when Oakland takes a ball player, you know that they've done their due diligence on him and says, again, hey, he looks like a yeah. ball player. You know, that's that's what their scouts Shout love to do to there. Oakland for signing Marco Estrada. Yeah. Shout out. I wonder how he's going to do there. Um, number 17 on the Jays <laughs> list. Uh, Logan Warmoth. Um, this guy's 23. Took a big tumble. Took a big tumble. His preseason was he was number five, and now he's number 17. Yeah. I think it might be because of Mr. Groshans. Yeah, he also had a, Warmoth had a bad year. Mm-hmm. So, like, again, he is 23 years old, so a bad year might be a little bit alarming. Like, if someone 18 or 19 has a bad year, you're like, you know what, he's still a little young. But 23 from the prospect side of things, 
on the older side. When it comes to prospects, when it comes to actual Major League Baseball, it's pretty young still. But from a prospect perspective, and he was playing A ball. Yeah. He didn't have a great year. If it was double A AA or triple A, he had a bad year. He's twenty three, whatever. I mean, and he's the fifth ranked shortstop mm-hmm. in the pro- and, and he's at number seventeen. So, so there's there's four shortstops above him in sixteen spots. So the negatives are piling <laughs> up. Uh, Patrick, do you have any more negatives to add or more positives? He's a great candidate to be moved to a different position than shortstop. It's just like it's so the logjam is so bad, guys, that Logan Warmoth, who used to be a top five prospect for us now, has to be moved out of the shortstop position. There's just way even the raw talent of like Jimenez, like we spoke about last episode. Like I would much rather see what he's capable of doing than than Warmoth at shortstop at this point. And that's not even to say that Warmoth is a bad prospect. Somebody has to be the odd man out. Yeah. Somebody. Yeah. And I think it's going to be Logan Warmoth, whether he moves to a different position or gets dealt because he's going to be an attractive trade piece. Honestly, Logan Warmoth just doesn't have the the power. He has he has like four career minor league home runs in two Oof. full in two full seasons. He's not going to hit for power. If he's not hitting for average, he's probably not in the lineup. Um, his defense, his defense is great though. That's the thing is he has a 60 arm according to Fangrass, which for a shortstop is is pretty elite. Uh, is a first round draft pick, only two years removed from the first round. Like let's not get he hasn't it hasn't even been two years since we drafted him. 2019 is kind of a show me season for Logan Warmoth. Show me that you can rebound from a bad year. Show show us why you were ranked fifth going into 2018. And can he recapture any of the the hitting success that he had in 2017? Or will he just kind of keep middling out like he did this past year? I don't know. I'm, I am I still like the guy. He's got the tools to be a great defender. He's just, he's just got to figure the bat out. He's got to figure it out. I just yep. think that we have much better shortstop prospects than this guy. And yep. again, maybe we switch him to another position. Maybe we just say... He's probably a second baseman. Yeah, it's a numbers game or something like that. But again, yeah. I just I love Groshans. He's my he's my new man crush on the team. <laughs> uh, Jimenez is great. <laughs> Bichette is great. Uh, it's just a numbers game with this guy. Maybe he gets dealt somewhere else and he's another team's great prospect, you know? Mm-hmm. Maybe, mm-hmm. We, maybe we take advantage of a team that doesn't have great shortstop depth, give them Logan Warmoth, and it's like, oh, okay. That's yeah. okay. We'll take this guy. Maybe we get a lot in return for him. Maybe some pitching because we need it. Um, number sixteen on the list before here. We, oh, go on. Before we continue, just one more thing that I want to capitalize on, Clayton. It was something Justin said earlier, which is absolutely true. Uh, when David Paulino was traded to us, he was what eighth in Houston, ninth, and yeah. now he's yeah, ninth, nine 18. in Houston. Now he's eighteen or nineteen or something like that with us. Yeah, the farm is deep, right? Yep. Like our farm is very deep. A rank like Logan Warmoth at seventeen for us it's probably is very different than yeah. yes. Like it, he's going to be top five or top ten on at least fifteen to twenty other teams. So the idea of trading Logan Warmoth for like a pitching a top five pitching prospect from another organization, I think is something you absolutely have to pull a trigger on mm-hmm. because. It's not that he's a bad player. He's just in a no-win situation here in Toronto. And even moving over to to second base, it still presents the same problem. Yeah. Okay, he's at a new position. He has to figure it all out all over again. And he's still going to be behind uh, Kavan Biggio. Mm-hmm. And probably Lourdes Gurriel Jr. Who probably. will end up yeah, taking a lot more time at second base. So... It's like we've already kind of talked about. Warmoth is like, he's not a bad player. 
his decline doesn't mean that he's, you know, washed out. I just think maybe a new change of scenery and, you know, a pitching prospect coming back to us makes a hell of a lot more sense than waiting to see what he does in 2019. Fair point. Next up on the list, number 16, Griffin Conine. Big fan of this guy. Um, he was with that great draft class in 2018 yeah, with Groshans and Klofenstein. Yeah, like the, right now our 2018 draft class is looking pretty promising. Mm-hmm. Uh, a great draft from us. Um, Griffin Conine played pretty well at He's, A-ball last year. Yeah. Like not Vancouver. bad, not great. He's 21. Um, it's just there's still a bunch of unknowns with this guy. Yeah. And he has the suspension for testing for Ritalin, which, while it's not steroids, it's it's a frustrating uh, drug suspension. I mean, we, we talked about this when it happened, that there are some big league players like Chris Davis from the Orioles who actually have permission to uh, use a drug like Ritalin to help treat their ADHD. Um, I'm happy that's not something more serious like HGH or something something crazy like Barry Bonds used to take. Shout out to Barry for HGH. Yay, Barry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, Griffin Conine's got some pop. Moving past the suspension, I think he's going to do well. He played in, in uh, Vancouver with the Canadians this year, so uh, he'll probably start back there again when he comes back from his suspension. Or maybe he'll move up to Bluefield or something a little bit more serious than Vancouver. No offense to Vancouver. Um, yeah, he's going to hit for power. He's got some speed. He's got a great arm. He's 21, fresh out of college, son of uh, Jeff Conine. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, he's another one of those former big leaguer sons that we seem to love to draft in our system. And to debut at number 16 after having 55 or 57 pro games. It's pretty pretty dope for this kid. Yeah. I'm proud of him. Hopefully he can uh, work hard on his game while he's suspended and then come back and just tear it up. Patrick, do you think this guy's going to rebound after his suspension? What do you think? Absolutely. The ADHD suspension is absolutely stupid. Mm-hmm. This is the one suspension where I'll be like, this is dumb. Yeah. It's just like it makes no goddamn sense. Anyway, that being said, I do really like Griffin Conine, and it's it's kind of telling when it comes to what his ability is that he's ranked 16th, even though he is still dealing with the suspension. Mm-hmm. Think about it. Yeah, I, I like it. I, I I agree with Justin in this case uh, that uh, he's gonna be he's gonna be a power hitter, and I like that. I like I like my uh, I like my power hitters, and he's he's six foot one, two hundred, so put a bit more muscle on him and he'll, I think he'll be another one of the juicy boys. I hope so. We need again, we need more we need more big guys like that. I know we got Vladdy coming up and he's like the king of the juicy boys and again like our first basemans in the uh in the system, they're also kind of big beefy boys as well, but I miss the days when the Jays would hit nothing but bombs. I, I miss that. I mean, last year we were definitely missing bombs, and yeah. it was just like, ah, oh, we we need we need some more power hitters on the squad. Chicks dig the long ball. Everyone digs the long ball. Um, number fifteen on the list here. I've heard like three different pronunciations of this guy's last name. <laughs> I always say Zuck. I I thought it was Zuck, but a lot of people have been saying Ziuk. 
I don't think that's I don't right. think it's right either, but I'm pretty sure it's Zuck. TJ Zuck. Like Zuck or Zyke, Yeah, it's got to be Zuck. Um, he's a right-handed pitcher. He's 23. <laughs> it's not Zuch. We can we could rule that one out there. He was our first-round pick back in 2016. TJ Z. And a lot of people thought we got a steal with this guy. Again, he's another he's another guy who's 6'7". Yeah. So just like we were saying, and it's such an advantage to be a tall pitcher. Like, mm. it's just... If you put this guy in the bullpen after Stroman, he's going to get the next three guys out, like, automatically. Yeah. Like, it's just so different facing a small pitcher than a big pitcher. Um, he pitched okay last year in double-A for the Fisher Cats. He was 9-5. and five. Um, His ERA was... Really good. Really good. <laughs> 3.08, you know? So, like, he does have the tools. Yeah. He'll probably go to triple-A this year. And considering he was one of the better pitchers on, like, a championship, championship team... team it shows that he has the pedigree to do that. You know, the big situations aren't too big for him. Uh, Patrick, what do you think about Zuck? Is he going to be? Uh, is he going to be a guy that maybe gets a call up this year at the end of the year? Uh, it might be a little too early in his minor league career for that, but this guy has all the makings of just like an athletic freak. He's six seven, <laughs> two twenty five, so he's got a little bit of juice there. Big fastball. I wouldn't. I w- yeah, I wouldn't quite call him a juicy boy. But he's yeah, he's got the fastball. Um, if you look at his advanced stats, like look at his FIP, really good. But but yeah, like I'm I'm really digging this, and I I want to see him have like a full year in AAA. Is he a starter? Like he's never. Oh relief. yeah, he's he's never pitched a relief game in his in his minor league career, not even once. Okay, so add him to the list of players I talked about before. In the AAA starting rotation, so Panone, Reed Foley, Thornton, Pearson, and this guy, man, that Buffalo team would be very exciting to watch. Yeah, let me let me go like out, Patrick, on you guys for a second. Listen, let me paint you a <laughs> let me paint you a picture. <laughs> if I told you <laughs> that a pitcher started 27 games across High A and and Double A, went 12 and 8 with a 3.17 ERA and had an xFIP in Double A of 3.84. A ground ball percentage of fifty-five point two in Double A. Would you believe me that he fell from ninth ranked to fifteen in a system? Probably not. It's crazy. That's a great year, and he fell six spots. It's not his fault that he dropped. Again, we'll get to some guys coming up here who just had monster years, some draft picks that just passed him just because of sheer talent. Like a fifteenth ranked TJ Zeich or Zuck or Zitch or whatever you want to say in our prospect pool <laughs> is probably a top 10, top eight guy in anyone else's system. Like you, if you tell me the guy with who had a great year falls six spots from number nine, that's crazy. MLB pipeline says his ETA is 2019. He's probably a September guy, mm-hmm. probably a bullpen guy in September. He's going to be in triple a. He proved last season that he can make the jump from rookie or from high A to need into double a New Hampshire seamlessly and actually pitched uh, better in double a than he did in single a. Uh, which is even more impressive. He's starting to figure it out by the looks of it. I mean, he's got the big fastball, 96, 97. His, uh, it typically rides in the lower to mid-90s, but he's got a good sinker, which is big. That's why his ground balls are between 55 and 60% all the time. He fits in with our current profile of pitchers like Aaron Sanchez and Marcus Stroman who get ground balls like crazy, and we like that. It's good in Roger Center because he can't give up fly balls in Roger Center or they are leaving the yard. Mm-hmm. I love his fastball. I think he's got great potential to be a 3-4 starter in our rotation in maybe two years' time, maybe a year and a half, maybe 2020 he's there. 
depending on what happens this season, how he pitches in AAA, he could rocket back up the prospect rankings once again. I really like him. I think he's going to be pretty good. I think so too. I like, like this guy a I lot. I think he's got to get his movement a little better, like on his curveball and yeah, his, his slider and stuff more, like that. But sure. again, that's that's every one of these tall pitchers who throw heat, you know that their off-speed stuff isn't going to be as good because they've been, just been chucking gas their whole life and they work on their fastball all the time. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to the slider, the curveball, that kind of stuff, it's going to take some time, and that's what separates being a double-A and a triple-A pitcher to a major league pitcher. Because most guys in the minors, they have one or two pitches at work, two that don't. In the majors, you need all four to work. So I think once this guy kind of figures out his, his other pitches, he'll be pretty dangerous. I just, again, I love guys who are like over 6'5", and they're pitchers. They're just, they're so intimidating out there. Um, I don't want to talk about the next guy because he's a shortstop, and I'm so <laughs> sick and tired of talking about shortstops. Oh, there's still a bunch to I go. Know. Like, we'll just talk about him all the time. Like Miguel Geraldo, number 14 on our list. He can play third base as well, but let's be real here. He's got no future at third base on our team. Um, <laughs> we signed him um, in 2017, 750 grand, whatever. Uh, he's only 18, which yep. is great. Uh, but again, we have a bunch of other 18-year-old shortstops on our team, so he probably will have to move. Uh, he wasn't that bad in rookie ball last year. I mean, yeah. 33 RBIs, not bad at all in 54 games. And in the Dominican Summer League, Patrick, this guy has been playing pretty good, hey? Uh, I wouldn't know, but um, <laughs> I do. One thing I will comment about this guy, and the only thing that I, I know about him, is that I do think that the his speed tool might be a little underrated at this point. Mm-hmm. He's only 18, but he's right now it's like I, I see like 50 future 40. Yeah. I think that might be underrating it a little bit. He's got wheels. Okay, yeah. the The reason that his his speed is kind of overgraded right now is because he's 5'11", 170. So he's gonna put on some some weight. He's only 18. He's got to fill out. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he, he played with the Blue Jays' Dominican Summer League uh, team for most of 2018 before he earned a late-season promotion to Bluefield, where uh, Jordan Groshans also finished. Uh, they've made the playoffs. I think he played okay in the playoffs, kind of like Groshans. Who had, Groshans and this guy both had kind of mediocre numbers when they got moved to Bluefield in the regular season games. But if you look at his at his hit grades right now, he's got a future value of 55, and Fangraphs has him at a 25 right now. So he hasn't quite figured out the contact approach at the plate. His raw power and power grades are both at 50, and he's got he's below them at this point in terms of his potential. So there's a lot of room for this 18-year-old guy uh, to move more towards the potential this season. He'll probably play in Bluefield most of the year in rookie ball, maybe a promotion to like Vancouver, low A, or maybe even to Lansing, depending on how he performs. He's probably like he's no like he's a third a, sh- a third baseman and a shortstop yes but he in terms of where he is compared to the guys in our system at nineteen Vladdy and twenty Bo he's probably three four years behind them like his ETA on fa- on uh, MLB Pipeline is twenty twenty one and I think that's being a little bit aggressive so he's still a couple to th- two three four years away from actually pushing for a big league roster spot it's gonna take this guy some time to figure it out and if he ever does figure it out. And there's a room on our roster for him. Great. If not, we can ship him off somewhere else for some for a different player. Mm-hmm. And yeah. the one thing is, I mean, seven hundred fifty grand it's for international signing is pretty. That's pretty uh, little. It's nothing. It's low. It's one of those things yeah. where it's like, you know what? If you don't work out, it's not going to be the end of the world. It's not going to make yeah. us look bad. Um, the guy next on our list, though, 
Aurelvis. We've invested a lot more money in this guy. We have. Uh, Aurelvis <laughs> Martinez. He's 17. Yeah. Um, but this guy, again, he's, he's he's pretty raw, but he's also really, really good. But we're paying mm. him $3.5 million. Yep. So that's the difference between him and Geraldo, is yeah. that Geraldo's kind of a whatever. We'll see what happens. It's a lot of pressure on this guy to perform. Yeah. Let me read you his international scouting report. So MLB Pipeline had him ranked as their number four international prospect heading into the 2018 signing window. He has received comparisons to a young Adrian Beltre as a hard-hitting infielder with good projectable body and strong arm. The offensive potential that earned the 16-year-old shortstop a $3.5 million bonus, the highest among players in his class from the Blue Jays at the outset of the 2018-19 signing period. He's got good rhythm and a short compact swing with plus bat speed from the right side of the plate and scatter those attributes give him a chance to be an above-average hitter with above-average power once fully developed. He's an average runner. Um, he posts average times in the 60-yard dash and could possibly lose a step when he gains some weight. He's six foot one, 188, so he's a little bit underweight to what he could be, but again, he's 17. Uh, he has plenty of room left to add strength, and scouts think that he'll eventually be forced from shortstop to third base with solid actions in the field to go along with body control and an above-average arm, he could develop into a quality defender at either position. However, it's his bat that's his calling card, and that's why he should one day reach the major leagues. So he's 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 compare. Anytime you see a comparison to a young Adrian Beltre, you're like, okay, mm-hmm. okay, yeah. I see you. And his power grade from MLB Pipeline is 60. So he's got potential to be kind of a, a big left side of the infield guy and I mean obviously we have a guy at third base already but this guy's 17 and he has never played a pro game yeah well Patrick do you believe the hype with this guy man that is a very favorable comparison <laughs> Adrian Beltre. Adrian Beltre remember Adrian Beltre made uh the major leagues at 19 years yeah. old way back in 1998 <laughs> some of you kids probably weren't even born back then <laughs> Uh, we know Revels Martinez wasn't, but uh, he's just a baby boy. He's only 17. Um, he's not even going to turn 18 until November, so the season will be over yeah. before he turns 18, which means uh, he's going to be down there in whatever our lowest level of uh, of rookie ball is. Be in the golf, or the and, Gulf Coast League, yeah, Florida. Yeah, I... Man, I can't I can't say enough nice things about Adrian Beltre. I think he's one of the best uh, ever to ever. play the game. Yeah. I don't even know is he retired now? He is, is he done? Yeah, he did he did announce his retirement. He's done? Yeah. He's gonna get into the Hall of Fame on his first ballot. Oh. There's no question yeah, in my mind. For sure. Um and to get a comparison like that, yeah, I wanna see what this uh, this fellow can do. Yeah, that opens some eyes right there with that comparison, that's for sure. And the thing is with these yeah. international players, like you just, you never know. Like the scouting report mm. could be okay, maybe a bunch of garbage, but more often than not, these guys outperform uh, their scouting report. They're way better than the scouting report says because they get to a major league system with all the resources that they have and they just get so, so much better. Yep. So I think that uh, this or Elvis Martinez guy, I think he's a name to remember. And I think the, it, it kind of sucks for Miguel Geraldo because he's a good player too. But he's one of those guys where it's like, oh, 750 grand, whatever. We can get rid of that, no problem. If Geraldo and Martinez are kind of tied, mm-hmm. obviously we're going to go with the guy who we gave $3.5 million to instead of the other guy. So, yeah. again, that's such a tough problem for our young shortstops we have in the system right now. There's so much raw potential. We, we did say we have eight shortstops in here, but 
most of them are like 18 or 19 exactly. years old. They're very young, very raw, and they still have tons of room to develop. And can move somewhere else. Uh, let's talk about one of our better pitchers in the system. Yeah. Uh, number 12, wasn't ranked in the preseason, <laughs> and now he's number 12. This is a big boy. Uh, Adam Kloffenstein, um, 6'5", 243. <laughs> That's a so beefy boy. unlike our other pitchers who are like <laughs> super tall and super lanky, this guy... He's got a frame on him. He's big. <laughs> uh, we took him in the third round of the draft last year. Great draft class so far. Um, he actually played with Jordan Groshans in high school. So, yeah, they're teammates. So they're pretty cool. Too. That, I, I like that That's kind of cool. story, the yeah. connection. You know, and always... uh, if you look at the draft class, so they actually paid Groshans less than his draft slot was worth mm-hmm. to give Kloffenstein a bit more than his draft spot was worth so they could draft the both. Yeah. And they, there was stories of when they drafted Groshans, they said, hey, we're going to try and get your boy in the third round. Mm-hmm. And they did. So that's pre- that's pretty cool. Um, obviously, they took Griffin Conan, who we just talked about four ranks ago in that same draft. So that's already our second and third round draft players. Draft picks have been on this list, and we know our number one guy's a little bit higher up. Yeah. So it's pretty cool that this 2018 draft class is already here. Mm-hmm. And we saw Kloffenstein pitch two innings in rookie ball. He didn't report till the end of the season uh, to Bluefield, where Groshans also was. Two innings and two games, gave up one hit, walked two, but struck out four in two innings, showcased his power arm. This dude is big, and he's got lots of power behind him. Uh, his fastball typically is a low 90s, but he, he hit 96 with his four-seamer. He throws a heavy sinker most of the time, a heavy sink two-seamer, a four-seamer. He's got an advanced feel for his his breaking stuff, which is a curve and a slider, and he also throws a changeup. So he's got five pitches. He's got two fastballs a changeup, and then a slider and a curve. So that's already the tools he needs to have to be a really successful big league starter. If you have five pitches and they're all able to be used for, I guess, positive value, you're doing okay. So, I mean, this guy's going to have a full season in 2019 to show what he can do, and we'll see him rocking up the ranks, I think, pretty quick. Patrick, do you agree, or is Kloffenstein going to fizzle? Where do you see him fitting in with the Jays in a couple years? I, w- I want to read something to you guys. Mm-hmm. Um, this is, It's a bit of a segue. Uh, this is from the Canadian press way back in June uh, last year. Uh, the article was updated a number of times since then, but sure. <clears throat> um, here we go. Both signed with the Blue Jays on Tuesday. This is obviously referring to Groshans and Kloffenstein. Groshans reportedly agreed to a below-average bonus for his draft position, and Kloffenstein who some projected as a first-round pick had committed to TCU, uh, got an overslot deal. It's so awesome that we get to do it together, said Groshans. I wish that more best friends would get to do this, and he and I are extremely blessed to have the opportunity. Mm-hmm. Bonding in the fifth grade over their mutual love of baseball, the pair also push each other to be better and work harder. Adam's a special kid to me. He's like my brother, said Groshans. Growing up, it was always good to be his friend because of the competitive drive with each other. Whether it was off the field, in the weight room, on the field, wherever we were, we were always competitive with each other. Being drafted together to the same Major League Baseball team was a big deal for their high school and for the town of Magnolia in Texas, um, where they're from. And the story actually starts by saying that when Groshans moved to Magnolia, Eight years ago, uh, the two of them became friends uh, when Kloffenstein showed him around the elementary school and the local diamond. So this is a really cute story. <laughs> I really like it. And I have all the faith in the world that both Kloffenstein 
and Groshans are going to make the Jays and going to be a big part of the future. I agree. I hope this guy really pans out. He just seems like a good it's guy. Cool that they're kind of like the second group of best friends. We've got Baraki and uh, Danny Jansen, yeah. who are BFFs on yeah. the team. So I like that cool. a lot. I hope it works out for this guy. Yeah, I, also, sweet. too, it would just be sweet to have like a, a draft class that just dominates. Yeah. Like having three guys in a draft class when you draft them first, second, third round. Like oftentimes MLB teams will take like a, a flyer on someone mm-hmm. who's sketchy. You know, oh, they got injury problems. They're good, but they're injured, or they got yeah. some character problems, or whatever. Can you imagine going three for three? on your first, second, and third round picks. And not only, like, do they all make it to the majors, but maybe at, like, the same time. Pretty cool. And, like, fast track it. Like, not just eventually, but all, like, kind of together. Yeah. I think that'd be pretty cool, and it's kind of a, a tip of the hat to the old Jays scouting system here. Definitely. Um, last and, person. Kloss could have been a first-round pick, too. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. Kloppenstein could have been a first-round pick, and we got him he, 88. The reason he fell is because of that commitment he had made to TCU. Mm-hmm. Teams thought he was going to yeah. college, and the Jays were like, what if we give you more money, and we just drafted your best friend? Yeah. He's like, okay, I think I can make a decision here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's pretty easy when you can pay a kid more money than he than he would have got for his draft slot and also say like, hey we have your best friend too yeah last guy we're yeah. going to talk about today another pitcher um hector perez we got this guy in the osuna deal so we don't know too much about him mm-hmm. uh he played a little bit with new hampshire he um he hits the upper 90s yep but again he has a slider and that's about it He's got, he's got a good heat. He's got a good slider. He still needs to develop a his maybe a curveball or changeup. Splitter too. A splitter. He's I don't like splitter. pitchers that have splitters. They never work out. You know, like they yeah. always focus. They obsess about the splitter because oh, every man. pitcher wants to throw a good splitter. Love the splitter. But it's so hard <laughs> to throw a good splitter. Yeah. It just wrecks your fingers. <laughs> um, but this guy, I mean, he was with the Astros for for quite a while. He's 22. He's getting six three. Big boy. Mm-hmm. Um, Patrick, do you think we got? a good pitcher here from Osuna or is this guy going to be known as like, Oh, this is the guy who we got for Roberto Osuna. What do you think he's going to be remembered as guys? We didn't get one good pitcher for Roberto Osuna. Didn't we get two? Yeah, We had Polino. We, we talked about it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And Giles and Giles. I yeah. actually think, <laughs> and yeah, exactly. So we got three Hector three Perez really excites me. If you look at his minor league numbers, Holy crap. Uh, his strike numbers. Yeah, his strikeout numbers are crazy. So are his walks. Got to work on the walks. Um, but his FIP and XFIP are ridiculous. Yep. Most of the uh, of, of his uh, little stints here and there, uh, his FIP was below four, yeah. which is a really good. So some of them were below three. Yeah. I, I have a lot of faith that this guy is going to develop into uh, the best pitching prospect that we've gotten through acquisitions uh through trades in a long time i've heard him draw some comparisons in terms of his command issues to a very young uh, dustin mcgowan i remember when mcgowan was coming up to the system yeah he, he struggled a lot with his walks his first few years and then all of a sudden something just clicked and then unfortunately he had a bunch of injuries that just derailed his career but i think that with another year or so in the minor leagues probably double a to start if he can figure out that walk rate and get it below four per nine, even if he's walking three and a half per nine, if he can strike out 10 guys per nine innings, that's the same kind of category that Sean Reed Foley is in. Um, these power pitchers, they, they're going to walk some people, but if they can get the high strikeouts, that keeps their their base runner situations down. And I mean, obviously, if you're throwing uh, mid to upper 90s with a nice two-seamer and sink, he's got the four-seamer and a decent breaking ball, he's got the tools to be... Uh, strikeout pitcher and get out of some jams so I, I mean the upside is definitely there 
he's ranked this high because of the strikeout and his big fastball. He would be ranked higher if he had better walk numbers. Mm-hmm. I think so too. Yeah. But yeah, every younger pitcher is going to have kind of command issues here. Or there. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. It's the last thing that pitchers learn. That you, you, if you can throw a 98 mile an hour fastball, teams will draft you because you can throw a 98 mile an hour fastball. Yeah. He's got to learn to harness that power. Right? Yeah, it's all in the team to kind of develop. Hey, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta find the strike zone here. Yeah, they figure out release points and all that jazz. Mm-hmm. So Fun that's times. that's twenty to eleven on yeah. the old prospect watch twenty nineteen. Top ten's gonna be fun. Uh, top ten, yeah, like our top ten prospects, we easily have the best top ten prospects in baseball. In We're my top, opinion, top three. You top think so? Tens. I think that the Padres are real good. Don't the Braves still have a pretty good system right now, too? too? Yeah, the Braves are going to be pretty scary yeah. for the next couple of years, oh, I think. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's why I, 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 if the Phillies don't get... I am glad we're not in the NL East right yeah, now. Yeah, <laughs> like, if the Phillies don't kind of pick it up, like, the, the Braves might just have they another one of those Harper. 90s kind of... Remember the 90s when yeah, the Braves were just unbeatable? I think the Braves are, are are kind of expected to do that in the next couple bits uh, here as well. Um, but that's it, and that's all for, for Episode 2 of the Prospect Edition. Can't wait for the next one. Like, top 10 is going to be awesome to talk about. I can't wait to talk about our top 10 prospects. Um, anything else from you guys to talk about here or any other Jay stuff? Nope. Buckle up, kids. Top 10 is going to be fun. Oh, yeah. I can't wait. Especially yeah. excited to talk about some of these, uh, the, the next generation guys. Mm-hmm. We were talking about that earlier. It's really cool. I don't, I don't know if it's coincidence or the Jays are just hedging their bets with uh, going, go, going with proven names or not. Lines. But it's really exciting the fact that we have like Jeff Conine's kid, Craig Biggio's kid, Craig B- Hall of Fame, Craig Biggio. Sorry, Hall of Fame, um, Vladimir Guerrero. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Hall of Fame, Vladimir Guerrero. Really got, badass, Don um, Bichette's kid too. Bo- yeah, Bo Bichette. <laughs> yeah, like this. It's ridiculous. Yeah. I would say. Uh, once Vladdy comes off the list, um, it gets. We're still going to be a top four, top five prospect system. That's just the nature of it when you lose such a top prospect. Yep. But nobody should be sleeping on the Padres because they are going after a couple Everyone. of the big free agent <laughs> names, and we'll see what happens. Yeah, they've been linked Don't... to Harper, Machado, and Dallas Keuchel, and they're trying to trade for JT Real Muto too. The Padres they just had a meeting family. with yeah. uh, Harper yesterday. Yeah, they did. So. Padres are such a dumpster for I told you guys, you guys, you guys were all over me. I said, watch out for the Padres in this free agency period. You were all over me saying it was never going to happen, and now look where we are. It's because they're a well, dumpster the, the, franchise. It's the money. It's, it's the money. I, they're not a dumpster fire at all. They're just. It's the money that I thought would be the problem. Oh, they I have knew they so, had money. They, they have an incredible amount of prospects, including what's his name? Um, Tattis, another second Tattis generation. Tattis but uh, they they have such a deep farm, and all their prospects are coming up at the right time that they're going to be in that Houston Astros situation where they have so many entry level contracts and cheap contracts that they can afford to spend some money on Bryce Harper. They can yeah. afford thirty million dollars a season, no problem right mm-hmm. now. And that's like half, not even half their payroll probably. I'm not saying they're dumpster right now. I'm saying just in general. Oh, they have dumpster. Been, they franchise. have been a dumpster franchise. Dumpster. They will not be for much franchise. longer. Watch that's out. That's why I just can't trust the Padres. Like any team yeah. that doesn't have like a history. I know they got Tony Gwynn yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Like they got like one of the better hitters of all time playing for them in the history. But it's just they're the Padres, and I can't watch get past that. Watch out, NLS. That. Watch out. They're coming. I know every team kind of surprises people like that. Like again, like the Pittsburgh Pirates <laughs> were junk forever. Yeah. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, they became pretty good again. They became D 
decent. (laughs) So uh, that's it. That's all for uh, part two of the prospects. Um, Again, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Make sure you give us a follow. SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play Music. If you follow us on Facebook and Twitter, you'll see all the available stuff in there. YouTube, tune in, all that fun stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, again, can't wait to talk about the top 10 and some other Jay stuff because stuff always happens. Yeah, and if you you disagree with any of our prospect uh, opinions or you have any questions about something we've said, feel free to share out and we'll answer it in a later episode yeah just send us a message comment on something whatever you slide do slide into our DMs yeah well don't do that that's creepy um, for Patrick <laughs> and Justin uh, my name's Clayton we'll uh, see you next week thanks for listening <laughs> <laughs>